You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you inspiration and resources to help you discover and live from your truest self. Follow along on social media at Collected Workshops, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and to learn more. The Collected Podcast is sponsored by Clean Juice, a certified organic nutrition and wellness bar with more than 100 locations in development in 16 states. Learn more at cleanjuice.com. Welcome to episode 35 of The Collected Podcast. I'm Tia McNelly. I'm Michaela Hooper. And I'm Jess Biondo. Today, we are so excited to interview Thomas Floyd, who is a student of the Enneagram studying under Suzanne Stabile. Um, who is an Enneagram expert and has been studying and practicing and teaching the Enneagram for about 25 years. So he brings us a wealth of knowledge Mm -hmm. and wisdom today. And I'm so excited because Suzanne Stabile was my introduction to the Enneagram back when she started her podcast, Road Back to You, before her and Ian Cron's book came out. And so it feels a little bit like I'm like, you know, two degrees from a celebrity. Are you fangirling a little bit? Yeah, because I would love to meet her. And she's also a two and I'm a two. And, you know, so you're kind of connected. I think so we'd be great. best friends. <laughs> Suzanne, That's if so you're great. listening, Jess wants to be your bestie. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I love um, that Thomas said was that the Enneagram is a tool. Yeah. And, you know, I think sometimes we do, we can get like stuck mm-hmm. in something and it becomes everything. Yeah, it's not theology. It's not doctrine. It's not the end-all, be-all. And I think that that's really, like, that was really um, helpful for me to hear that from him. Yeah. That this is a tool. This is something to, like, just to help you see yourself mm-hmm. and, and help, others. And help you recognize how you see the world yep. and yeah. what your root yep. motivations are. Yep that may be leading you to unhealthy places yeah, and to help you move toward health and what that looks like for you based on who God created you uniquely to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've had a lot of listener questions about the Enneagram. Every time we talk about the Enneagram in an, in an interview, we get questions. Where's the test that I take for this? Well, Thomas is going to answer all of our questions um, on the basics of the Enneagram. And he's even going to take us through a bit of a description for each of the nine numbers. So hang on. We've got two weeks worth of episodes for you. Um, part one we'll cover today, and next week we'll we'll let you listen in on part two. So without further ado, here is Thomas Floyd. Hey, Thomas, welcome to The Collected Podcast. Thanks for coming today. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Yes, I am so excited. Um, Today we are focusing on the Enneagram, and you're going to teach us all about it. (laughs) I am a two, which we'll get to eventually, but my two-ness makes me feel like everybody needs to know about the Enneagram because (laughs) I know it will help them, and I just need to get, yeah, so you are here to fulfill this unhealthy (laughs) two-ness in me, (laughs) so all of our listeners get what I believe they need. That's amazing. That's um, so good. Enneagram jokes. I totally get yeah, it. Yeah. Yes. Um, so before we dive in to what the Enneagram is, um, just a little bit about you and how you came to discover it and your training in it. Sure. So uh, my name is Thomas Floyd, and I am I'm bivocational. I'm a therapist, and mm-hmm. I also work at a private practice. And then I'm also a youth pastor at New Song Church. And the way I came across the Enneagram was about two and a half years ago. I I think I was yeah I was listening to a podcast, and my wife and I were kind of going through. Um, we were just 
kind of discovering things in our faith, um, asking questions. And the Enneagram, we came across the Enneagram, and it was, we found it to be a really good tool mm-hmm. to help with self-discovery, but also just to help with just being the best we we could be. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how we discovered the Enneagram. And I would say, I'm going to keep using the word tool because mm-hmm. it's it really is a tool. And I think one of the things that Suzanne Stabile says is we get in trouble with the Enneagram when we make it more than it is. Mm, and I think a lot good, of times, yep. uh, and I, I probably did, I know I did this when I first learned about it. I was like, oh, have you heard about the Enneagram? Have you heard about it? And and you can really overwhelm people with that. Oh, yeah. And, like Enneagram uh, <laughs> evangelists. Yeah. I was guilty of that. Uh, yeah. any, what? <laughs> I, I definitely did that. And so yes. I think the word that I would encourage us to use and people to use is that it's a tool, right? It's mm-hmm. not scripture. It's not God. It's not. It's just a tool that helps us uh, be better followers of Jesus. Because mm-hmm. in my opinion, we were all made in the image of God. And so the best thing that we can offer people is the best us, right? And yeah. so I think the Enneagram really it's helps really us. Good. Really yep. helps us do that. That's definitely how we feel at Collected. So mm-hmm. cool. With you, we align with that thinking for sure. <laughs> Awesome. So, yeah. So how did you get to the point um, where you are in your life right now? How did you become a therapist? Kind of sure. what was your upbringing, your faith journey? Give us a little bit of background. Yeah. So I uh, was born in Santiago, Chile. So I was born in South America and I lived there the first 11 years of my life. Uh, my dad was a missionary. And so he served at a local church body in Santiago. And uh, when I was 11, my parents felt a call to come back to the States and so we moved to Greenville, South Carolina, and then to Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, and so I, I grew up in a Christian home. I, uh, I've always, like I gave my life to the Lord when I was really young. I've always, and the other part of my faith journey is that I was always a part of, I would say, Pentecostal, charismatic uh, Christianity. And so we were spirit-filled. That's kind of always been my journey. Mm-hmm. And um, and so then I went off to college, and that's where I met my wife. And we got married after college, and her name's Sarah, and she's amazing. Uh, and <laughs> I love how well you love her and how you mm-hmm. love her out loud. Yeah, yeah, it's very sweet. She's pretty great. She's taught she me is. a lot. She sure is. So, uh, and then, so we, we got married at 22, uh, so we, it was in 2012, actually this week's our anniversary. So that's pretty oh, cool. Congratulations. But, um, so we stayed in that area for a while. We stayed in the mountains, uh, for, we went to college for four years. She did two years of grad school and then we stayed there another two years. And so, and then we just felt God calling us back. But I, the first job I had was in IT. It was an in information technology. And that was definitely not for me. So <laughs> after about, you know, hours of telling professors how to right click and explaining what the internet was, that got old very, very quickly. So I always knew that I wanted to be in a helping profession. So whether that be ministry or counseling. And so I decided to go to grad school. And so I... I went to this college called Grace College and Seminary, and it was, it was an excellent school that was accredited but also had Christian integration. So we learned how, how to do uh, just how to integrate 
what the secular world is saying because they're saying a lot of stuff, but also see it through a Christian lens. That's good. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, and and then we moved to this area, and I had done youth. My wife and I had done youth ministry before, uh, and so we were asked to do youth ministry again. And so that's I'm vocational, so I'm a therapist, and I'm also. I'm a licensed therapist, and I also do youth ministry at our church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. so that's a little bit of my background. And so as of late, you've been seeking some extra training on the Enneagram. Yeah. And so could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So um, I've done, like I had read some books, I had listened to some podcasts, and uh, I had heard Suzanne Stabile, who is out in Dallas, Texas. She's got a ministry called Life in the Trinity Ministry. And I applied to be part of the cohort. And what happens with the cohort is you go four times a year and uh, you learn. It's like some really advanced Enneagram wisdom knowledge. And so uh, over 250 people applied and they only accepted about 35 and 40. And I was one of the ones that got accepted. So so good. Yeah, it was really, Mm -hmm. it's it's an honor. It's really, really cool. Um, So you're learning directly under Suzanne Stabile now? Yeah. Yeah, wow. hands on, and it's been it's been an amazing experience. That's it's been great. really really cool. Um, let's just dive right in. Sure. So, Thomas, if you could start by just giving an overview um, of kind of the structure of the enneagram and sure. the triads. Sure. Uh, so, what I would say about the enneagram to start off is that a lot of people describe it as a personality typology mm-hmm. kind of thing. I think that's there's there's a half truth in there. It it is talking about personality, but I think what the enneagram is really used for is for spiritual spiritual growth and spiritual mm-hmm. development. So, as you know, all of us here are followers of Jesus, and so we're on this journey to follow Jesus and to be more Christ-like. Mm-hmm. And I think what the enneagram does well is it highlights or it tells us kind of what our weaknesses are, mm-hmm. and it tells us what our strengths are, mm-hmm. and so it helps us to actually grow. And 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 just our stuff, you yeah, know. And yeah. so, um, so there's nine. Well, before I say that, I would say the last thing I would say before we talk about types is, I think a lot of the talk around the enneagram is around personality, mm-hmm. and I also think that's another half truth because real enneagram work is not just enhancing your personality, but mm-hmm. it's actually getting to the core of who God created you to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a difference. You know, Suzanne talks a lot about there's a difference between talking about personality and then talking about essence. Yep. So our personality, it's not that our personality is bad, like, but our personality is what the way I would describe personality is it's the way we have we have coped with our needs not getting met in our life. Mm. And all of us, like when we talk about childhood wounds, we all have wounds. And that doesn't mean that our parents were bad. Uh, it just means that it's literally impossible for every human being to have all their needs met. Mm. And so That's an what, important distinction. Yeah, and so what happens is when we're really young, we make our way in the world as a way to protect from our needs not getting met, and that's how personality takes place. But I think the real work of the Enneagram is not enhancing our personality, but it's actually getting to the core of transformation, which that's is so who good. God created us to be. Yeah, so that. There's a there's a distinction there, yeah. and that's all Suzanne Stabile stuff. Uh, I'm going to quote her a lot today. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so, so good. That's great. Um, who, I'm sorry. What was your other question? 
in regards to... Well, just like the... So if you could set up kind of the general structure of the Enneagram so that people who maybe this is their first introduction can understand, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe the the diagram and how to interpret that. Yeah, of course. There are are nine types, uh, one through nine, and then there are the different triads. So um, there are... There's a heart triad, and if you're in the heart triad, you're a two, a three, or a four. And the way people in this triad perceive the world is through their emotions and through their feelings. Um, and and we can go a little more into that, too. Then there's the head triad, and those are fives, sixes, and sevens. And these are um, these people are numbers, or the people that that would say that they're five, six, or sevens are people that see, like, perceive the world through their, like, in their minds um, and through their thought life. So they're very, like, they're very in their head. Uh, and there's strengths to that and there's weaknesses to that. And then eights, nines, and ones, those are people in the gut triad, also known as the anger triad. And <laughs> these individuals are very justice-minded. I would say that eights, nines, and ones are the most justice-minded people out of all the numbers and Enneagram, they have this real desire. They just don't deal well with injustice. It just It's just not going to fly with them. And so these are individuals that perceive the world kind of through their gut, mm-hmm. through their through their instincts in that in that way. So so yeah, those are kind of the triads. You have the heart triad, you have the head triad, and then you have the gut triad. And so how does someone begin to discover their number? And then don't leave out wings. Okay, so... Uh, I should say before I answer this question that there is there are a lot of people studying the Enneagram mm-hmm. and there is disagreement among like different fields of the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. So when I say this, I'm trying to summarize what I w- would think most people would agree with that have studied this for a long time, but there mm-hmm. is some disagreement. So Suzanne, who I am studying under and who I really trust does not believe that a test is a good tool. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a good introductory mm-hmm. thing for the Enneagram. And that's because, generally what we tell people to. Because it, it, it's looking after, it's looking at behavior and it's not looking at motivation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I am a four on the Enneagram when I, every time I've taken a test, the number that I scored highest on was seven. The second number I scored highest on was two. And then the third number I scored highest on was four. Mm-hmm. So every time I've taken a test, it has not, like my number has not been the number that shows up first. And I think that's because I thought that I was a lot more, I, I mean, I'm a helpful person, but I thought that my motivations were very two motivations were to always be helpful. Mm-hmm. And when I started doing some work around the Enneagram, I realized that that's, that's, that wasn't always the case. I was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I want to go to, I want to be a therapist because I want to help people. When in reality, there were different motivations that I had there. And so what I would say is, and we can talk about resources now or later, but uh, I what I have started to do is I would introduce them to like an introductory episode on the Enneagram Mm -hmm. so people can know like what each type is or to read a book like The Road Back to You and to say, this is, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, Who do you think you are? And then have them like kind of read 
the different chapters of the book. And mm-hmm. if you don't have time for that, there, there can be an, like a podcast episode, which is the way I was introduced to the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I would do. I mean, it's not bad if you take a quiz. Like, it's not the end of the world. It's just not, I, I just don't think it's the most accurate way to be able to right. decipher what your number is. And I've told people if they're set on taking the test, then whatever three numbers are your top, start there with yes. your reading and mm-hmm. your research. Yes. And, you know, it can kind of give you a starting point if you don't want to read a whole book. Yeah. <laughs> but and the bottom line is you have to do the work. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. The other thing that I would say, too, is the Enneagram is all about motivation. Mm-hmm. Behavior can be modified. And so I can I can be semi-respectful with you guys here and be somebody else when I go home. Like, right. I hope I'm not. But everybody's right. behavior can be modified. Mm-hmm. And so I think what makes the Enneagram distinct from other personality typology systems is that it's focused on motivation and not behavior, A. And B, it's not a static system. So it shows you where you go to growth. It shows you where you go to security. It shows you where you go to disintegration. So when you're stressed. So um, so anyways, yeah, it's about motivation and not necessarily behavior. Okay. So once once you determine what number you think you might be. Sure. Um, Maybe you could talk a little bit about wings so that people understand that aspect of things. That's right. Once again, there are different opinions on, on wings when we talk about the Enneagram, but so for, there are nine types. If you are, let's say a two on the Enneagram, you can either be a two with a three wing or a two with a one wing. So it's, it's the number or it's, the two options that you have is a number that is directly like right of you or the number is directly left of you. And if you guys have questions about this, all you have to do is just Google like Enneagram diagram and you'll see kind of like what there's an actual image that shows it. And if you've never seen the diagram, guys, don't be afraid. It's not satanic. No, <laughs> it's definitely not. A lot of Christians oh shy away it's from it because it looks not. a little pentagramish, but it's mm-hmm. definitely yeah. not. So just. Yeah. Kind of take that in. Yeah. All the lines that you'll see just show how the numbers are connected. connected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There, There's not any voodoo magic. In mm-hmm. the, no. In the, I probably <laughs> should have said that. Oh, well. Um, so there's just – so that's that's how wings work. The person that I am studying under believes that there are – because the Enneagram has become so popularized – there is too high of an emphasis on the wings mm-hmm. as an excuse to not actually do your own work for your own number. Wow. So she believes that there are wings that matter. Like a nine with an eight, that is a huge distinction. So that that's a piece. And then a three with a four. So she believes, Suzanne believes like a nine with an eight and a three with a four, like you should focus on wings. Um, but outside of that, if you are new to the Enneagram, she thinks like there is a whole lot of emphasis on the wings instead of just focusing on your number. And I think her perspective is that um, it takes away, it's like a lot of people are using it as an excuse mm-hmm. to not actually do your own work with your own number. Mm-hmm. So that it's just a thought about That's that. That's a good thought. There mm-hmm. are people that she respects that would totally have a, a different opinion than she does. So mm-hmm. I'm just trying to give you guys different perspectives in regards to how this is seen. This episode of The Collected Podcast is again sponsored by our favorite juice bar, Clean Juice. And one of my favorite things about them is that they are committed to serving their guests the best products 
And that means to them 100% organic all the time. And there's such power in what we put in our bodies that influences our health and just how we feel on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. And so putting that fully organic product into you is going to really fuel you and give you the energy you need. Yeah. And one thing I love too is they try to use local products when they can. So like one of the stores in our area has a board and it says blueberries and strawberries are from the hotel like a local farmer. So they're even advocates for local business. And they haven't stopped innovating. I love that, that they just continue to try to do more and do better for their customers. Like recently, they even sent an email out with the new Dirty Dozen and Clean 15 list. So if you didn't get that, be sure to go and sign up for the Clean Juice email list at cleanjuice.com. And in the future, you will get helpful information like that. And if you still have not found a location, download the Clean Juice app and find one near you. So we definitely wanted to make sure that we give listeners a picture of like, I mean, I hate to call it like a caricature, but an overview of um, each number. Sure. And we thought we would start, um, which this is really hard for some people to swallow, but a lot of times people will start with um, with eight, nine, one, Mm -hmm. which is, you said the anger triad, right? Yeah, it's the gut triad. Or the gut triad, yeah. yeah. Gut slash anger triad. <laughs> Sorry. But sometimes I feel bad saying that because it's not its not that they're angry all the time. It's right. just that that's... Intuitive and instinctual. Yeah. And, uh, and twos, threes, and fours are in the shame triad. So that the other thing for that is shame. And then five, six, and sevens is fear. So yeah. it, there's like three different kind of things for each one. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, so maybe for today... Since we've taken some time for the introduction, let's start with eight, nine, and one, and then we're going to do a second episode with Thomas, um, and he can cover the other six numbers. <laughs> so, yeah, why don't you why don't you start with the with the eight and give us kind of a picture? Sure, sure. So, uh, eights on the enneagram are the way I'm going to describe it is I'm going to give the word that's most associated with it, knowing that. There's some stereotypes that come with that that may be true and may not be true, but it's helpful to at least understand kind of like what is in that specific number. So eights are the challengers. They are the most, they have the most energy uh, of any number on the Enneagram. They are so, they're very comfortable working like 70 hour, 70 hours a week, and it's like nothing for them. They just have this energy. They're doers. um, And... I think when eights are when they're not aware of themselves, they're not they don't see the wreckage that they leave behind in relationships mm. because they are so justice minded that they just see what needs to get done and they don't care about hurting people's feelings. Um, and and now this is when they're unaware, right? Um, and because they have this drive to get things done and to push things ahead. Um, they they sometimes are just not aware of the ways that they can hurt people. But at their best, these are people that are incredibly, they, they bring about change in a way that other numbers don't. So if you want a good example of an eight, Martin Luther King, mm. uh, MLK, is the stereotypical, the stereotypical eight. He's an eight on the Enneagram. So individuals that have this, like, that have this drive to just, bring about change yeah. in a really in a really um, positive way. I think 
sometimes they get a bad rap for being aggressive. But if you really get to the bottom of it, they're incredibly tender. Mm. They are incredibly tender. But the message they receive as kids is that it's not okay to be vulnerable. So when you receive a message that that equates vulnerability with weakness, you're not going to show that a lot. And so, um, so anyways, that's a little bit about about eights. Okay. So yeah, let's move on to the nine. Sure. So the nines are known as the peacemakers. So nine, so we just talked about eights having the most energy. Nines have the least amount of energy of anyone on the Enneagram. I have a lot of friends that are nines and they love taking naps. Mm. That there's just like they uh they they their desire is to not be affected by life. And so when conflict comes up or, or when things like are are getting at that they'll just they'll just disconnect. Um, their Enneagram teachers believe that it could be as high as 30 or 40% where you're talking with them and they're not listening. They just like, they shut down. Um, but I think, uh, and a lot of other Enneagram wisdom teachers believe that they make great leaders. Uh, most presidents have actually been nines on the Enneagram. Really? Uh, and I mean, and that's like Republicans and Democrats because they have this ability to not, like fully be reactive to one way or another because they're like mm-hmm. the, they're holding two truths mm-hmm. and so they don't just go like oh yeah this is a really good idea that's um, so, that's so super if you guys read any presidential biographies you'll see that there's a good amount of presidents that are nines on the enneagram and so they make really good leaders mm-hmm. in regards to being able to compromise and seeing both sides of something um so those are those are the nines on the enneagram they uh yeah, just like every other number, they bring about great, great things to the world. But they also have stuff to work on, just like the rest sure. of us do. It can be, it uh, it can be frustrating sometimes in being in a relationship with a nine because their inaction or their follow through, especially if you're in the hard triad of two, three, and four, it can really be hurtful when you ask them to do something and it just goes one ear out the other. Mm. And so, um, so yeah, those are that's a little bit about nines on the enneagram. And so with the nine being in the anger triad, oh yeah, how does that how do they exhibit great that question. when they're the peacemaker? Peacemaker. So mm-hmm. that's a good question. It comes about yeah. in really passive aggressive ways. Oh, yeah. no. So it's not necessarily like they're not gonna be the ones that that call you out, but like throughout the day, there might be like passive aggressive jabs like throughout the day. Or they'll do. They'll just. They know they have to do something, but they know that it bothers you, so they just won't do it. You know, it's much more passive. But I have one of my best friends is a nine on the enneagram, and he is super. He's all about peace. He's a peacemaker. But when it comes to injustice, it's like something turns on for him where he just he he, he cannot allow for that to occur. And he gets courage to do something in a way that he wouldn't do before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I think nines nines are angry, but they don't they don't feel comfortable saying that they're angry mm-hmm. because that that shows like that they're not in control. And so eights eights have no problem telling you about their anger, but nines it's there, but they it it because they're not comfortable with it, it comes about in like passive aggressive ways. Mm. So. And what was what would be their main childhood wound? 
Yeah, so the childhood wound for the nine would be that their voice doesn't matter. Mm. So when you hear that your voice doesn't matter, when you hear uh, that you should always defer to other people, um, you're, as you get older, you're not going to like, you know. Fight for your voice to be yeah. heard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was the childhood wound for the eight? Um, you said it. Is. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The childhood wound for the eight. About vulner- not being about vulnerability. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So weakness. Oh yeah. Is, uh, it's not okay to be weak. Got it's it. not okay to be vulnerable. Okay. It's not okay to actually show um, that you could be wrong about something. Wow. And and like I said, I'm 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 making statements that may not be true for all eights, but I think it's true for like yeah. a lot of eights. So the other thing before we go too far through the numbers that I was wondering if you were comfortable speaking to is stances. Sure. Um, if you want to explain stances and then maybe apply that to the eight and the nine, and then we can move on to the one. Sure. So within, so there's triads, but then there's stances. And there are three kinds of stances. There are, if you are in the dependent stance, your focus is on other people. So dependent stance, people are Enneagram type 1s, Enneagram type 2s, and Enneagram type 6s. And it's not that these individuals don't have opinions, but their opinions are often about what's the best for other people. Mm. Um, And so they have a really hard time. Like if you were to ask them, how do you feel about this? They might tell you how they feel, but a lot of time it's because they're focused on how other people feel or how what other people are thinking. So mm-hmm. ones, twos, and sixes are in the dependent stance. Uh, the withdrawn stance, fours, fives, and nines are in the withdrawn stance. And withdrawing doesn't necessarily mean like introverted. It just means that when life hits or when something happens, they go inward. So that's yeah. that's that's the difference there because I'm a four. And uh, my wife says there's not an introverted bone in my body. (laughs) And she's probably right. There's not a whole lot of introverted (laughs) in me. But I love hanging out with people. But the more self-reflection I've done with just with myself, I go inward a lot of times to be able to deal with stuff. And Mm -hmm. so it can really, yeah, I just go inward. So these are the numbers that are, highly distracted and can go inward mm-hmm. to themselves. So so inward doesn't necessarily mean, or drawn doesn't necessarily mean introverted. Correct. Withdrawn does not mean introverted. Okay. Um, even though I would say that, m- no, I wouldn't say that. I, I don't have the stats to back that up. But most of the people that I know that are fours and fives and nines are more introverted than extroverted. Mm-hmm. But there are, like, I'm an extrovert and I'm right. in the withdrawn stance. So. Okay. Uh, then there are three sevens and eights. Most people call these people the aggressive stance people. I know that you're not a fan of that, Tia. Uh, I call it the assertive <laughs> stance. So and aggressively. These individuals are, they are doers. Their orientation to time is to the future. And they are constantly thinking about how to, just how to make things better. Um, but they a lot of times what happens with people in the aggressive stance is that they're doing, they're, they're solution-minded, 
And so they always have a sol- they always have a solution for something. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, except sometimes people don't want a solution. They yep. just want you to listen to their what they're going through. Yep. And so so anyways, so you have the aggressive stance, you have the dependent stance, and then you have the withdrawn stance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Wow. All right. So now the eight is which stance? Uh, the eight is the aggressive, aggressive. slash right. assertive stance. And the yes. nine is which stance? Uh, withdrawn stance. Withdrawn. And so then now let's talk about the one as a whole, which That's is what stance? Dependent. dependent. The dependent stance. Okay. Okay. So ones are known as the reformers. Um, and they have this drive and this desire to um, to make to make things better. But I think sometimes when they're not aware of themselves, they can come across as incredibly critical mm-hmm. because um, to, what Suzanne says about it is that they have these voices in their head. So there's like there's voices that they have about you're not doing this good enough. You have to do this better. And so the reforming comes out of a place of like never feeling like you're good enough. And so they're doer. They're also doers, but it comes from a it comes from a different place. And so one's the the stereotypical uh, story of a one is you do the dishes a certain way, and these are the people that come behind you and do it the way that is most efficient, or that like, <laughs> or that you could have put three things here, but you decided to only like put two things here, and now we're going to have to do another load later. And so they they're incredibly detail oriented, incredibly detail oriented. Um, Sounds like they might be efficient too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're efficient. Mm. Um, there's always it's always about the right way of doing things, mm-hmm. and they're very fo- like they have this internal, I would say, moral comp- compass compass mm-hmm. of like they there's a right way to do things and there's a wrong way to do things, mm-hmm. and so I would say that ones are some of the most black and white people on the enneagram. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of nuance. There's not a whole lot of gray, and in a relationship, that can be hard, especially yeah. if you're in a friendship or in a relationship with someone that's creative or if you're in a relationship with someone where you want to break from what, like, the norm is. That can be really, really hard. Mm-hmm. For, so, um, But they also are, are vi- I would say that they're principled human beings. They're oh, people yeah. that live by principle hmm. um, and and what one struggle with is resentment. Mm -hmm. They are the most resentful number on the Enneagram. They put expectations on people? Yeah. Uh. And But this is what I heard Suzanne say once. If you feel like a one is critical on you, multiply that by 20, and that's how critical they're being like towards themselves. That gave me a lot of compassion for ones because I was like, you're so critical. They think like even like, multiply that so much more and because they just want to make things better. Mm. They like, they want to make things better. Um, I heard also with ones, they're emotionally attached to the, to the things they do. Mm. So the, the way things get done, um, which is why a lot of ones don't like shortcuts. Uh, Ones and threes can look really similar, but the difference is that threes are super comfortable with shortcuts and ones just won't do it. Because there's a right, principled, strategic way to do things, and it's the right way to do things. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that's that's ones on the enneagram. Um, that's so good, and I love what you said that 
you know, once you understood that the ones were even more critical toward themselves, yeah. then you felt compassion toward them. Yeah. Because I feel like that's what the Enneagram does. Why it's important to begin to understand all the numbers, not just find your mm-hmm. own, because it helps you in relationship with other people and yeah. mm-hmm. to understand how they're working and what their motivations are and to have compassion for that and to be able to call out the yes. healthy things in them when yeah. you see it. And just real quick, I do want to address something. I think a lot of times the the critical feedback that people give on the Enneagram is why is there such a focus on maybe talking about what's negative or mm-hmm. what's lacking? And what I would say about that is real transformation occurs in being aware of your weaknesses and trying to better those. Like I'm all for enhancing our strengths, but I also believe that there's something really beautiful about being like, okay, so this is what I struggle with mm-hmm. yeah. and then like getting better at it. So, yeah, definitely. So. And, well, and I think that it takes a certain level of maturity and humility yeah. Yeah. to be able to do that work. And so just getting to the point where you can say, yeah. I'm going to do, I'm going to do this. I'm going to look at this honestly with myself and before God and decide yeah. to do this work. That's yeah, it's sure. huge. And it, it really, I mean, it changed my marriage mm, yeah. when, when we began to recognize, oh, okay, sure. this is what motivates us. This is oh, you're doing that because that's how you're wired, not because you're trying to get on my nerves, right? (laughs) Or like you know, so my husband is a five, Uh and he's very thought oriented. He conserves his emotional energy, (laughs) and so you know, I sometimes would feel like, why don't you express your love for me the way I expect you to, (laughs) right? Not recognizing the ways he's yeah. constantly expressing his love yeah. to me in his own way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm having a deeper understanding of him. It's like you guys were saying, like we have more compassion and grace for one another yeah. because we understand each other yeah. better. And, and so I think the end goal of any Enneagram work is to lead to more compassion for other totally. people. Yeah. Because once you realize that your way of seeing the world is not the only way to see the world. Mm-hmm. It changes everything. Amen to that. So, um, and it just leads to greater awareness, right? For sure. And we just need to be more aware as, as human beings. So, so good. Amen to that. Well, cool. So we're going to come right back with you next week, Thomas, and um, you can fill us in on the rest of the Enneagram and also offer some tools and resources sure. um, for people who want to start digging in. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Thanks for being here with us, and we can't wait to have you back next week. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you would help spread the word. Check back here for weekly episodes dropping every Thursday. You can follow Collected on social media at Collected Workshops. Find The Collected Podcast on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash The Collected Podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Become a patron for as little as $1 a month to gain access to bonus content, early bird ticket sales, exclusive contests, and more. You can also find Tia at Tia McNally Notes, Jess at Spreza Foundry, and Michaela at The Creative Space NC. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to prevent and support unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. Support for The Collected Podcast is provided by Clean Juice. Learn more at cleanjuice.com and be sure to check out their lifestyle arm at wellhappyandkind.com. Podcast recorded by Jacob Early. Music by Asaf Alon.